0: Section 4 of Understanding English Cathedrals by Esther Singleton and Others. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 4 Pratt, Stained Glass. Even a superficial study of the rich glass with which the medieval churchman loved to ornament his cathedral adds greatly to the pleasure of a cathedral tour. As lessons in color alone, these old windows are full of interest and value. England was once rich as a treasure house of brilliant windows, but the fanaticism of Cromwell's soldiers and the less justifiable devastations permitted by 18th century deans and chapters have bereft it of a great part of its store. Sure. The continent has much more to offer in this respect, but enough remains in England today, though not always in its original position, to richly reward the student of early glass. York contains a greater amount of glass in situ than any other cathedral of England, having 25,531 square feet, chiefly of the 14th and 15th centuries. Canterbury contains by far the greatest store of 13th-century glass, with some earlier fragments, and also a good quantity of that of the later Gothic periods. It is, therefore, the best place in which to gain a general idea of Gothic glass lincoln should be mentioned for a goodly amount of both early and late glass though much of it is still uncatalogued other cathedrals which offer much to the student of early glass are winchester gloucester salisbury chiefly grisey carlisle wells lichfield oxford and peterborough mighty durham and noble ely have next to nothing though some interesting fragments remain in the durham galilee Suggestions for Setting Windows Perhaps the most important factors are time and patience. The story of an old glass window, often pieced and patched, is not read at a glance. It is usually full of interesting detail, each point of which adds something to the general interest that should not be overlooked a strong field or marine glass is better than an opera glass for studying the often dim pictures in clerestory or tracery lights familiarity with scripture stories and with the lives of saints and martyrs is necessary in order to trace the meanings of the pictures the symbols and emblems the dull light of a rainy day provided it be not too dark is that by which a really fine window is best seen since the best effect of a glass painting is secured when it is seen chiefly by the light which passes through it Note. Old glass, it may be added, never transmits color, though many a poet and novelist has drawn beautiful word pictures based on the supposed effect of such transmissions. A positive proof that glass is not old is the fact that it stains the pavement with a splash of color, and when such a splash proceeds from an old window, it indicates patching. End Note many beautiful specimens of old glass are to be seen in the large museums of england and america only a brief outline of the characteristics of medieval windows in england is here possible but it is hoped that enough is given or suggested to help the student to enjoy more than the average spectator gains from a series of old windows the earliest English glass came from France in the time of Benedict Biscop, died 690, founder of the Abbey of Wearmouth, but it was not imported for general use till a much later period. Schools of glassmaking were established in England at Canterbury, Winchester, Bristol, and elsewhere during the Gothic period of architecture, and from these many cathedrals and churches were supplied. The earliest glass, however, so plainly resembles that of the same period in France that it must have come from the same ateliers. Gothic windows may be classified, according to their design or composition, as follows. 1. The medallion window, consisting of compact, storytelling groups of small figures in richly colored pieces of pot-metal glass, i.e glass-coloured in the making, generally illustrating the lives or miracles of saints and martyrs, or else scriptural scenes. 2. The figure and canopy window, used in all periods, but especially in the later Gothic. 3. Pattern or grise windows, consisting of geometric and scroll designs, which in the earliest examples were wrought entirely of the greenish-white almost colorless glass known as grise, the only white glass then produced. The intricate geometrical designs, often superimposed, are filled in with foliage arranged in scrolls, the design being first traced on the white glass, and distinctness secured by cross-hatching and intervening spaces. The effect is light, silvery, and even brilliant. The Five Sisters window at York is an example of later grise into which spots of colour were introduced. By the middle of the 14th century, a combination of plain and coloured pattern windows was frequently used. The earliest English grise is probably that in the eastern aisle windows at Lincoln. Salisbury, however, is the best place to study pattern windows on account of its number of large windows which retain their original glass. Four. Rose windows, more generally used in France than in England, are named from their shape and are also called marigold, wheel, and catherine windows. They are simply adaptations of the medallion to the lines of radiating tracery. Five. The Jesse window, or more correctly, the Jesse tree, set in a window, consists of a branch or vine, the main stem of which springs from the figure of the Patriarch Jesse at the base of the window, while branches or vines springing outward and upward form a series of leafy medallions in which figures representing the human descent of our Lord from Jesse are placed. These are of great beauty and interest and were popular throughout the Gothic period. In the later examples, the vine is more varied and luxuriant than at first, and the figures are sometimes seated on benches, growing out of the vine. 6. The Doom Window contains a representation of the Last Judgment, as understood by medieval theologians, and often occupied the head of a large window, as at Carlisle. The quarry window is, in reality, a variety of the grise in which the entire light or panel is glazed in small tiles or quarries of square, diamond, or rhomboid shape about six by five inches on which a small design in stain is applied. It was often used as a background for large figures or medallions and was economical, decorative, and permitted the passage of light. The quarry was usually white, the design yellow or brown stain, and a great variety of small designs was in use, including foliage, flowers, heraldic badges, birds, insects, monograms, and mottos. Each of these kinds of windows was introduced in the early period and continued in use throughout the Gothic centuries with more or less variation. The medallion is not, however, usually seen beyond the 13th century. The lead-work or frame in which the glass is set is an interesting feature of all medieval windows. The great number of pieces of glass used in the earliest examples necessitated the use of a large quantity of lead, but the dark outlines so formed were skilfully adapted to the picture or pattern so that interest was not diverted from the main subject of the window. The general classification of windows as to date follows that of the architecture of the period and is thus given by Winston. Note. Winston was a London lawyer who accomplished for stained glass that which Rickman did for Gothic architecture. His careful minute observations are published in three separate, unrelated volumes, named in the bibliography, and leave very little to be said on the subject. End note. 12th century to circa 1184, early English to circa 1280, decorated to circa 1380, perpendicular to circa 1530. 1. The 12th century glass, considerable portions of which are found at Le Mans, at Saint Denis, Angers, Chartres, and elsewhere on the continent, is seen only in fragments in England. Some panels at Canterbury and York are nearly all, the former probably dating from 1184, when the new choir was completed. Each of the two Canterbury panels consists of two single figures, placed one above another, two in a single light, and belongs to a series once occupying the entire clerestory, imitated in the series of modern windows, in which the genealogy of Our Lord was represented. The colouring of this oldest glass is soft, deep, rich, and rather sombre, the drawing almost Byzantine in effect. The figures simply disposed, their scant draperies closely following the outlines of the figure and revealing the awkward feet. All figures are sharply silhouetted against a dark background and often stand on mounds of earth. The hair is solidly painted black and the eyes are plain pieces of glass with the iris unmarked. The glass itself is thick and substantial. 2. Early English or 13th century glass was always of the pot metal sort, each separate bit of color requiring a separate piece of glass. Note The method of working in pot metal glass is thus described. On a wooden table, upon which the design to be reproduced was exactly drawn, were laid sheets of glass. Upon these, the required outlines were first traced through in liquid chalk, and then they were cut out with a red-hot iron. The pieces, thus cut to the required shape, were again arranged upon the table, and the drawing and shading needed within each piece were added in a dark enamel. For this shading, only one color was known, namely a black lead composed of oxide of copper mixed with equal parts of green and blue glass. The painting was then burnt in, and the separate pieces fastened together by a lead framing. Wallman and Wooverman's History of Painting 1-317 Enamel brown was freely applied in the strong dark outlines of figures, sometimes two or three times as wide as the lead bars, and also used for hair and for deep shadows and in tracing features. Stain was as yet used sparingly, and yellow or silver stain not known. The glass was cut into the required shape not by the diamond, which is a seventeenth-century device, but was first weakened by a red-hot iron, and then chipped painfully to the desired size. Colors The backgrounds were almost universally of ruby and sapphire. Often the two are used alternately, but in draperies and ornaments, soft, rich, almost indescribable colors were employed, and a sort of purplish-brown very effective in robes and vestments colors in general named from the gems which they resemble ruby sapphire emerald amber etc the blue of backgrounds a deep sapphire but lighter even grayish in the body of the picture ruby exceedingly rich and deep and of exquisitely varied tints produced by the impurities or blobs giving an effect not easily imitated in the later purer makes of glass some portions of a sheet almost black shading up close to white this color almost invariably coated i e fired with a layer of red on white on account of the great density of the ruby when used by itself greens rather sparingly used but produced in a variety of tints including olive and emerald The so-called white glass of the earlier periods is in reality a pale green, though no colouring matter was used in its manufacture. It was simply the purest white they knew how to make. Purples and pink, formed by placing layers of blue on ruby, a yellowish salmon pink, which has darkened with age, used for flesh, a deep hue for the faces of men, a lighter tint for those of women and children. Yellows, either greenish or else deep golden. White, as already said, of very greenish tint, thick in texture, and sparingly used except in pattern windows and borders. Note, a sheet of early glass often varied so much in thickness that while one edge might measure 3 or even a quarter of an inch, the opposite edge might be no thicker than a watch crystal. End note. Distinctness of effect was secured in the picture by using dark colors principally in grounds, reserving the light colors for figures and ornamental details. The general effect of early English glass is that of a rich mosaic or tapestry, in which many colors appear, but all so carefully adapted and harmonized that none seems to predominate. The pot metal glass was full of impurities and irregularities the glazier could never tell exactly what to expect in a sheet of glass except that it would be full of streaks and bubbles and generally thickest towards the selvage edge the rudely made pot metal was chemically most imperfect and artistically all that glass should be day hence the choice effect of color was due to chance rather than skill The ordinary glazier who fashioned the window took his richly irregular glass sheets and combined them as well as he knew how, and the glass lent itself to such handling. The modern artist must resort to many devices when he would imitate the effect of these early windows. Natural forms were very imperfectly rendered. Trees, flowers, water, and sky are scarcely recognizable but conventional foliage is drawn with much grace and unusual beauty the scrolls were not formed out of one continuous tendril but were a series of short stalks or leaves which appear to be divided into short sections of foliage having bold outlines and in general resembling the scroll-work of foliage seen in manuscripts of the same date Figures, in general, are unnaturally tall, stiff, and badly drawn, especially the hands and feet. The latter are justly compared to small rakes. The lower limbs are much too long for the rest of the body. Apostles, priests, prophets, and kings usually stand facing the spectator on a mound of earth or else on a straight label bearing their names or the name may be found on the canopy arch or on a label running at the back of the shoulders, the letters being scratched out of a smear of enamel brown. The feet are in impossible positions, pointing downward. The eyes are large, often of white glass, in striking contrast to the dark reddish-brown of the complexion, and rimmed in lead, producing a spectacle effect, in the middle of the century a second line or iris was added to the plain round but this line was disused in the latter part of the century and appeared again in the century following westlake faces are generally oval with round chin and small mouth well-fashioned hair in earliest glass painted a solid black crudely imitating black hair later lines were scratched out in the enamel paint and still later the lines themselves were traced, giving the effect of coarse black hair. Animals were so badly drawn that they are scarcely recognizable, e.g. the horses attached to the chariot of Elijah in Becket's crown at Canterbury. Canopies, when used, were rude and plain, often too large for the figure beneath robes were short even scanty those of men scarcely reaching the feet and displaying the meagre ankles the dresses of women were longer with close sleeves and the head generally draped very small folds appear in the draperies in imitation of the antique notwithstanding their rudeness and incorrect drawing these early english glass figures possessed much merit being simple unaffected and often grandly conceived though imperfectly executed. Deep and lively feeling often pervades the entire figure. The countenance, even when distorted and exaggerated, is apt to show both expression and character in far more striking degree than is general in later work. Saintly personages, in particular, are often very effectively rendered, the solemn or somber effect desired being well suited to the style borders are among the most interesting and beautiful features of the first gothic periods they are of every sort large and small enclosing medallions or panels or an entire window and sometimes in early work wide and conspicuous their designs vary from simple alternating blocks of colour often ruby with sapphire or emerald with amber to the elaborate representations of heraldry which connect the window with the history of the reigning sovereign and his alliances or of a powerful family in the vicinity perhaps benefactors of the church a simple beaded or pearled border, consisting of small white balls between parallel lines, was much used in the 13th century. In studying a series of windows, for example those in the Latin Chapel at Oxford, or in the Isles of York or Canterbury, study the borders by themselves. They are often as beautiful as a framework of rich gems. Decorated or 14th century glass to circa 13. 80. Rich glass was very popular in this period on account of the increased size and number of the windows in churches of this style of architecture. The beautiful traceried heads also lent themselves to a great variety of design and were well adapted to the display of small pictures. Numerous examples of this sort of glass are to be found in different parts of England. In particular, York and Exeter contain many examples of the best work of the period. Color, in general less sombre, and at once rich and lively, many new tints being employed. Yellow stain, a prominent feature of all except the earliest work, especially in canopies and ornamental details, displacing the mosaic treatment to a considerable extent. Blues are lighter, ruby, less irregular in texture, though still deep and rich. White, thinner, decidedly paler, and of a yellowish tint, another mark of date. The pot metal, used with yellow stain, has a brilliant golden tint. The combination of white pattern windows with colored medallions is a prominent characteristic of this period. Often a belt of low canopied figures, or else a row of medallions, extends entirely across a pattern window of white, or white mingled with color, to harmonize with the color of the pictures. Again, color is introduced in the form of brilliant rondels, rosettes, small single figures, heraldic shields and mottos, emblems of saints, sun, stars, and monograms canopies over figures are striking and ornamental, usually of yellow stain, producing a golden effect and of elaborate architectural design, with many pinnacles and crocketed spiroulettes, flying buttresses and rich tabernacle work. Often there is no pedestal for the canopy, but it rests on the ground." Side pilasters run up into pinnacles. The spire, if it has one, generally springs from a low, flat-faced tower rising from within the gable. The tower is usually pierced with windows and furnished with pinnacles from which the flying buttresses are thrown to the spire and the side pinnacles. Backgrounds are often richly diapered. A row of canopies is often found remaining in a once rich window from which the figures have disappeared. Sometimes the canopied figure does not occupy the entire height of the light, and space is left at the foot for a row of shields or other ornament, or perhaps for the figures of the donor of the window and his family. The feet of canopied figures usually rest on a mound of earth, a pavement, a pyramid, or a straight label bearing the name. Natural foliage takes the place of conventional scrolls, as in the sculpture of the decorated period, and oak, ivy, maple, fern, and vine are freely used in broad-flowing patterns with outward-turned leaves in contrast to the short stalks and closed leaves of the preceding period. Often the design occupies an entire window without regard to the intervening mullions. Drawing is characterized by delicacy, especially in the latter years of the century. The glass itself is thinner. Flesh tents are lighter, the hair is more carefully drawn, and sometimes arranged in a roll curving inward. Greater refinement and naturalness are evident, draperies are more ample and flowing, costumes and armor rich and varied, tracery lines in faces and draperies are more delicate, borders very ornate, introducing angels, beasts, fishes, flowers, the chalice, and other emblems, often alternating with blocks of color. The numerous tracery openings are rendered very brilliant and effective decorations by the insertion of small figures in rich glass, sometimes standing, sometimes crowded into very cramped positions by the exigencies of the space. At Carlisle, the elaborate traceried head of the east window is occupied by a doom, and the effect of the many small designs and figures of rich colour, glowing out from the dark recesses of the stone tracery, is dazzlingly beautiful. Pattern windows, much used, but as has been said, with color introduced either in a series of bosses, shields, or other devices set in the midst of or across the lights, or later in canopied figures arranged horizontally, sometimes in the lower part of the window only, sometimes in two rows separated by pattern work, which forms an excellent background. The traceried patterns are finer than before and more natural and tendril-like, foliage of ivy, oak, maple, or vine often overlaid by geometrical network. The decorated examples of the jesse tree have a branching vine instead of a tree. Quarries very generally used the earlier examples having bold, heavy outlines, while those of later date are more delicately traced the rose a favorite device used either singly or on a running stem or else as a small spray or branch perpendicular glass to circa fifteen thirty delicacy both in color and in drawing and thinner lighter and more delicate glass characterize this period Pot metal glass is still the chief reliance of the glazier, but he often uses large masses of his lighter, more evenly colored sheets, and the effect, while rich, is less gem-like than formerly. An increased number of long, narrow panels in the tracery lights afforded opportunity for many small, standing, single figures. Sharp color contrasts, as between the delicate canopy of yellow stain and the light and brilliant robes of the figure beneath often seen. Color. Several new tints are introduced, including a pure pink, an azure, and mauve or violet. White glass becomes purer and silvery in tone, and is effectively used in large masses. Ruby less glowing and paler more translucent. Yellow stain in great favor, especially combined with white glass in canopies as in the last period blue lower in tone and often of a greyish or purple tint, pure azure also used especially for small tracery figures, yellows and browns of more even tone and firmer quality. Drawing increasingly natural and delicately wrought, heads and faces well represented, the eyes full and well shaped, both lips indicated and the hair usually drawn in wavy lines. Eyebrows, much arched, but late in the period, indicated only by a faint line. Iris, usually drawn, and pupil, sometimes suggested, by a black dot. Nose, faintly drawn, except at the top. The upper eyelid, the opening of the mouth, and general outlines of the face, strongly defined. At the end of the century, the use of outlines was almost superseded by the skillful use of shadows, hair often yellow. Figures, more natural and dignified, but short rather than tall, often stand on decked pavements and have diapered backgrounds. Robes more ample, vestments longer and rich with embroidery. The head of the pastoral staff, enriched with tabernacle work, as in the last century. The nimbus of a saint is usually white or white with stain, instead of a stolid colour, and was cut out of the same piece of white glass as that which formed the face. Canopies are large and elaborate, nearly always of white with yellow stain, serving as a setting or framework for the figure, but not related to its colour scheme as previously. Backgrounds, often diapered, and a screen or curtain of tapestry or embroidered work, sometimes wrought with heraldic figures, is seen suspended to a rod at the back of the figure. At the base of the canopy is sometimes found a niche enclosing a small figure, or else a scene from the life of the figure represented above. In general, however, the stories and miracles of saints are used less frequently than in the preceding periods, the large figure of the personage being represented in their stead. Ornaments again become conventional, but are founded on natural forms. Numerous small ornaments appear, such as the rose, fleur-de-lis, heraldic devices and badges, birds and small animals, especially in yellow stain on silver quarries, sometimes wrought with much skill stipple shading is common landscapes usually avoided by glass artists of previous periods are now used for backgrounds borders not invariable jesse windows are still seen but their foliage is so delicate that it is little more than ornamental scroll work figure and canopy windows are numerous and resemble those of the decorated period in having a band of subjects running horizontally across a window the lofty canopies of silver glass enriched with golden stain the tabernacle work being so elaborate that the picture or figure beneath is almost obscured the delicate mass producing a light and brilliant effect in the loftiest windows a low subordinate canopy was sometimes introduced at the base of the light within which was a scene in the life of the saint represented above or a small related figure as of a donor labels often appear bearing texts or mottos as in the north choir aisle at winchester Pattern windows are almost entirely superseded by windows filled with ornamental quarries, the latter too delicately drawn to be effective in themselves, but forming an excellent background for boldly colored heraldic devices. In the chapter house windows at Wells, some rondels of greenish bottle glass, such as were used in Germany instead of quarries, have been introduced in the tracery. Renaissance Glass from 1530 the glass of the sixteenth century is sometimes called San Cento, and in this and the late Renaissance period the ornament and design resemble those of the architecture of the same dates. The picture and subject of this style become all-important. Less attention is bestowed on the quality of the glass itself the earlier paintings like the earlier architecture of this period were imbued with the gothic feeling which seems to have been given up almost reluctantly renaissance windows in general were round-headed and smaller than those of the late perpendicular style The canopies were large, often extending over more than one light, or even occupying an entire window, and were freely decorated with festoons and garlands of foliage, flowers, brilliantly coloured fruits, ribbons, and scrollwork. In place of canopies, a wide border or frieze composed of Renaissance ornament wrought of silver glass and enriched with golden stain was sometimes introduced, the frieze being supported on columns. Borders are seldom used and grise is rarely seen. White glass appears in profusion, especially in canopies, and is elaborately decorated with stain. Coloured glass is seen in a variety of shades of the same colour. In the early glass of the Gothic period, red was chiefly ruby and blue was sapphire, but in the 16th and following centuries, greater skill was shown in producing different shades. Painting becomes a prominent feature of the windows, and the beauty of the glass itself is often forgotten in the use, sometimes the excessive use, of paint. Strong effects of light and shade are desired, the backgrounds being often very pale. Enamel painting was freely employed in the late years of the sixteenth century, and was often used to take the place of the translucent-coloured pot-metal glass, resulting in a dull, heavy effect quite unlike the sparkling mosaic glass of the preceding Gothic periods. The Jonah window by Van Ling in Oxford Cathedral is an interesting and valuable example of an enamel window in deep and brilliant colour. Figures and groups often appear standing or kneeling in front of a canopy in strong relief against a distant landscape behind the canopy arch. Donors and benefactors of a church are usually represented, attended by their patron saints, and often with ornaments containing their heraldic devices. In the sixteenth century, windows were erected not so much to the glory of God as to the glorification of the donor who claimed a prominent or else the very central place for himself, Day. Distant views in these figure pictures are faintly and delicately painted in pale blue or grey. A picture occupying an entire light often extends up into the tracery. Angels playing on musical instruments or bearing scrolls with mottos or emblems, usually rendered in white and stain, often appear in the tracery also portrait medallions badges and heraldic devices jesse windows are found in the seventeenth and eighteenth centuries the tree or vine and the figures often painted on white glass and variety secured by representing the jesse in a large rich medallion with elaborate ornament while his descendants are demi figures placed less conspicuously The vine is often laden with large clusters of purple grapes, as in the Jesse window at St. George's, Hanover Square, London allegorical pictures and storytelling groups placed against stately architectural backgrounds are a feature of the later centuries as in the Flemish glass of the Lady Chapel at Lichfield and Christ purging the temple at Gouda the latter containing an elaborate representation of the temple at Jerusalem in perspective which is remarkably good for the period Beautiful distant landscapes were introduced in these pictures, their effect enhanced by being seen through an arcade or a single arch, the rules of perspective neglected in previous periods being carefully observed. Renaissance glass is not abundant in English cathedrals, but good examples of late work are found at St. Paul's and at Oxford. An interesting and valuable series of Renaissance windows dating from fifteen sixteen remains in king's college cambridge and in much of various dates in the oxford colleges by far the most beautiful glass of this period in an english cathedral is to be found in the lady chapel of lichfield already alluded to transferred here from the fine old abbey church of the nuns of erkenrode in belgium hence of flemish origin the drawing and composition of the various pictures in these seven windows are excellent and are traced to the hand of an italian artist the colors are deep rich and glowing and are not too heavily laid on brilliant contrasts of light and shade are effectively rendered the white glass is silvery and sparkling the yellow stain richly golden and suggests the goldsmith's art The single figures are portrayed with much elegance of costume and accessories, many representing the noble benefactors of Herkenrode, attended by their patron saints. Numerous heraldic devices enrich these beautiful windows. The Placing of Windows While no fixed rule existed as to the location of different sorts of windows at any particular period, yet, in general, pattern windows were reserved for the long series of an aisle. Figure and canopy windows were placed at ends of aisles, where they would be prominently seen, or else in the clerestory. While jesse trees were often used for the large windows at the east, quarried windows were well adapted to chapels and small transepts. The doom was often prominently located in the east or the west, while the rose appropriately completed the end windows of the transept or the west front. End of section four.